0: And welcome to The Scoop Podcast. I'm editor of The Scoop, Margie Camp. joined today by the Ag Retailers Association, Richard Gupton. Richard, how are you doing today?
1: Doing well. Just, uh, we were getting like sleet and freezing rain here. It looks like where a lot of the other country is, but uh, just all is well.
0: I joked that misery loves company in February.
1: Yeah, well, we still have power. So, you know, think about the folks in Texas and elsewhere that don't right at the moment. But uh, knock on wood, we still have power and and, uh, Internet and everything at our house. So uh, feel blessed about that. But thinking about others in the country.
0: Absolutely. Hey, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. want to touch on a couple of updates from D.C. And let's just get kicked off with maybe some of the really timely activity that's going on and what have been the the first actions by the Biden-Harris administration that you'd like to highlight for ag retail?
1: Yeah well they've uh, been fairly active since he was sworn in office on January 20th uh, issuing a I think it's a record number of executive actions whether that's uh, executive orders or memorandums or other directives Um, and a lot of those out of the box was a, an executive order revoking a, a number of regulatory reform executive orders from the previous administration they've also issued uh, an a directive talking about modernizing regulatory review but in that document it talks about not looking at necessarily the uh, cost analysis they they talk about looking at uh, benefits regulatory benefits that are difficult or impossible to quantify we don't know what that Means quite yet, but are concerned that you know they may not be looking at the full economic impacts that something could have on industry. So that's something we're going to watch closely. They have issued also a a climate crisis executive order. Um, Part of that talks, and those raised during the hearings with uh, Tom Vilsack, who is you know nominated for Secretary of Agriculture again, and uh, Michael Regan, who's been nominated for the EPA administrator, talking about climate change and those issues. Uh, One of the this this directive that was issued by Biden creates a national task force. They want a carbon pollution free electricity sector no later than 2035. If you look at today's electricity output, 60 to 70 percent is from coal, natural gas and other fossil fuels. They also want to have clean zero emission vehicles for federal state agencies. So how does that impact the biofuels industry? And agriculture. That's something of a big concern for us. Uh, they also, the positive side talks about voluntary adoption of climate-smart agricultural and forestry practices, um, but they also have a goal of conserving at least 30 percent of our lands and waters by 2030 and a net-zero economy by 2050. So does that, or do those goals mean taking land out of production for agriculture? Um, Those are the things we're watching fairly closely with this administration and hopefully be heavily engaged with them to make sure, again, these are all voluntary initiatives. And uh, in our perspective, agriculture is part of the solution to dealing with climate change. And the first environmentalists are really the farmers, right? You have to pass along that land from generation to generation, and, and the ag sector are the forefront of the environmental movement. So we hope to be heavily engaged not only with the Biden administration, but with Congress on those types of issues.
0: You know, Richard, at the very beginning of December, so before the inauguration, but after the election, I was able to moderate a panel with you and Chuck Spencer from Growmark and Scott Rollins from Wilbur Ellis, and we talked about maybe what you guys were foreseeing could become the big policy changes with the new administration and climate was, was right at top of that list could you share a little bit more about ARA's positions around climate change and sustainable agriculture?
1: Yeah, that's, again, that's one of the big issues in, in discussing uh, climate change, sustainable ag with members of Congress and the administration. I mean, again, our industry is really on the forefront of addressing these issues and has a lot of for modern ag technologies can, uh, you know, address those issues through improve conservation practices. So we're, making sure that any type of solution is voluntary, incentive-based, using the tools that our ag retail members are providing their farmer customers uh, through these newer technologies and precision ag technologies. Um, Glyphosate, for example, that's an important pesticide product. It's been in the marketplace for a long, long time. So we say you need products like glyphosate that helps with, uh, you know, no-till practices, conservation practices. That helps deal with climate change related issues. Newer seed technologies, biotech, can also be part of the solutions. Uh, So we're making sure that our industry needs those tools to help not only promote sustainable agricultural practices, but to help address climate change related issues, which our members are really getting directly impacted uh, if you look at climate change issues, but they're also on the forefront of providing the solutions to address those problems.
0: Yeah, you talk about the, the possibilities and the opportunities with Precision Ag, which also demands connectivity and then broad brand, broadband infrastructure. Could you share a little bit on how ARA sees the landscape there for both broadband as well as transportation infrastructure in the near future?
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, infrastructure is, is really should be a bipartisan um, issue. Uh, we're part of a coalition called Rebuild Rule. With the Farm Credit Council uh, and a broad number of other groups. So infrastructure investment in rural communities is important, including for rural broadband. Um, you've seen even congressional hearings because a lot of these uh, members of Congress are, are, are zooming in, using Zoom to participate in hearings. And if they're in rural areas, one of the co- congresspersons from Minnesota, for example, uh, you know, cut out for part of the hearing because their broadband went down. So we think there needs to be investment uh, in broadband in rural communities uh, now more than ever to help with the precision ag technologies that I talked about, uh, but also investment in our infrastructure, roads and bridges, rural communities. There's a a large number of areas throughout the country that really have not been properly addressed with infrastructure investment. Uh, So there should be a bipartisan solution, and I think that's one of the first things after they get through and can negotiate uh, this another COVID package, which you're looking at right now, the next step will be a, a broader infrastructure package. And that's something we plan to be heavily engaged with uh, with Congress and, and the Biden administration.
0: Yeah, you bring up COVID there, Richard, and it makes me think, oh, man, we're approaching that one year mark of when ag was deemed an essential industry and and everybody was able to carry on with their work during the pandemic and continue to deliver everything that's needed for food production. And I know food equity has really come into focus for you guys here in the near future. Can you share a little bit with our audience? What is food equity and why does it matter for ag retail?
1: Yeah, this is exactly right. Well, food equity means, you know, everybody should have the opportunity to have a stable, affordable food supply and access to that food supply. And really, our, our message to the administration and Congress is that can really only be done by the agricultural sector, our ag retail members working with their farmer customers to do that so the food can be affordable, it's available, and have a secured food uh, domestically grown. can only be done if, if our, our farmers and have the tools whether that's seed, pesticide, fertilizer, biostimulants, and other precision ag technologies, that there's government-based decisions on sound science and uh, risk-based peer-reviewed data and not following like a European model of a hazard-based approach. Um, We need to be able to export U.S. ag products and technologies to other countries, again, to make sure everybody, whether it's domestically and globally, has access to affordable food. And the availability is, you mentioned it about, Making sure our industry is continued to consider, be considered an essential operation, essential workers, so they can provide those food supplies in a timely way and an efficient manner uh, to urban areas as well. You know, making sure the grocery store shelves continue to remain stocked. And you know, are there ways that can help minimize food waste and loss? So, like I mentioned with food security, we need to look at the long-term competitiveness and sustainability of U.S. agriculture not only but with the technologies I talked about, but also maintaining a, a farm safety net programs, including crop insurance and disaster assistance, and making sure there's adequate investment in research development to enhance crop yields and improve plant health. Thus, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about food equity, and that hopefully has, resonates with members of Congress, particularly for those that don't really have a farming background, and, and uh, that's the message that we're taking uh, in this next coming years and, and with this Congress.
0: Richard, another policy issue that I know is a, a, a thread woven through so much of what we've already discussed here would be ag labor and workforce needs. What What is ARA advocating for here in terms of what agriculture needs in that available workforce?
1: Well, we're part of a broader coalition called the Ag Workforce Coalition, and we're focusing on two main areas where it comes to ag workforce needs. One is comprehensive immigration reform as part of this coalition to make sure there is a usable, stable ag guest worker program through the H-2A program. There's a reliable verification system for those workers. Uh, we think it, this, the immigration reforms needs to be looked at the totality, so border security needs to be a component of that as well as provide an opportunity for current farm workers with the support of their employer sponsor to apply for legal status. Um, The other part of that is for ag retailers, and and again, a lot of other businesses, there's a driver shortage. Um, So we think that there needs to be an opportunity apprenticeship program for younger drivers ages 18 to 20. Right now, the federal law, you have to be 21 to drive an interstate as a commercial driver. And so there's legislation called the Drive Safe Act that would create an apprenticeship program. Uh, FMCSA, which is a federal motor carrier safety administration, during the last administration had asked for input on a young drive, CDL driver program. And that's something we support. So we're hopeful that the Biden-Harris administration and Department of Transportation there will continue looking at that program. But those are the things we're looking at and trying to address it. And I think President Biden has announced or today or will announce shortly their proposal for immigration reform. The problem has been there's these broader initiatives that agriculture gets dragged into and it makes it really difficult to get something passed in Congress because of some other immigration related issues. So hopefully we can avoid that this Congress. We think there's an opportunity but and we'll work with members and the administration to try to try to get something over the finish line this year.
0: And Richard, one issue that has just been a, a lot of conversation, a lot of activity, curious on what you're seeing come to fruition here in the new future in regards to trade policy.
1: Well, yeah, it, I think we'll have a little bit different approach uh, with the new administration on trade, um, maybe not as confrontational, um, although they haven't re- re- um, eliminated the tariffs as of yet, like for China, with China. Um, so that's an ongoing thing to look at uh, as related to for free and fair trade. Um, I think it will hopefully be a priority for this administration to have uh, initiated additional trade deals. Um, so we're, that's something we're going to be heavily engaged on. Obviously, again, exports of agricultural products is an important uh, part of the, our economy here, and we're going to work very closely. But we also rely on imports with certain input products. As well, uh, so that's something we're going to work pretty closely with the uh, with the current administration. We had a positive working relationship the last administration. We hope to continue that in the current administration.
0: And if we could switch gears just a little bit from policy to regulatory, and I know that was something you were really watching with the new administration and as they were making some selections for who would head up the regulatory agencies. What what are you seeing there that you would like to point out to ag retailers?
1: Yeah, well, there's some areas of concern. If you look at, and um, again, the beginning of this administration, they're looking at re- reviewing or regulatory freeze and maybe uh, changing uh, regulations that have been put in place the last administration, whether that's the, you know, what is the U.S. rule, the WOTUS rule, Uh, which we were supportive of of the Trump administration's uh, final regulations. They're looking at maybe revisiting the uh, risk management program that deals with the regulation of anhydrous ammonia, chlorpyrifos, uh, the EPA's Office of Pesticide Programs. They're also looking at revisiting the Agricultural Worker Protection Standard, dealing with these application exclusion zone requirements, um, so there's a host of things, uh, even at OSHA, process safety management, for example, as well. Uh, it's something we're going to watch fairly closely to see what type of actions they may take. Um, and just right now, you know, we're having a discussion. We had uh, the Individuals Department of Transportation the Volpe, from the Volpe Center. They're a research arm of the Department of Transportation. They're looking at the fatigue life, for example, of ammonia nurse tanks. You know, and that what will that research, uh, what will they find from that research and what, you know, potential regulatory proposals may come out of that is, is something that uh, we're, we're uh, watching fairly closely and, and remaining engaged with all of these agencies because we think uh, there can be maybe targeted issues to, to address, but not some wholes- wholesale uh, regulatory uh, mandates like, again, like the process safety management issue that we had to litigate during the Obama-Biden years. We hope that doesn't come back, but that's something that our members really need to be closely watching and and aware of.
0: Well, Richard, thank you so much for this update from D.C. Appreciate it and look forward to the next time we're able to catch up.
1: No, I appreciate the opportunity. I I will put in a plug. We're we're now, because we can't meet in person we're having a virtual legislative fly-in with uh, Congress, and a lot of our members, we're doing that over a five-week period. So we're uh, getting our members engaged virtually with their members of Congress. There's a lot of new ones there. Uh, So being proactive, educating uh, lawmakers and agency officials about the important work being done by the ag retailers across the country along with their farmer customers is critical, because as, as I'm saying to our members, and if they're, if they're not at the table, they're on the menu for these policy decisions. So we want to make sure all our members are at the table with ARA, helping shape these policy decisions as they uh, come up during the uh, 2021.
0: Well, if folks want to connect with Ag Retailers on Twitter, I know they can find you at Ag Retailers. For the Scoop podcast, I'm Margie Echelkamp. You can find us on Twitter at Farmers Advisor.